Rhiannon White came in wearing nude pasties. A I want to say she wasn't wearing underwear. She was covered with like I want to say like nude colored tape. So she was practically naked, wearing nothing but this gorgeous gold white python, just draped around her neck. And what? she just she wasn't on stage. She just walked through the audience. Everyone just was slack jawed, stunned by her entrance. And then she did an entire routine on the stage where she just blew us all away. Welcome to Poll the Other One, another absolute treat of an episode, to be honest, where I get to speak to the delightful Ali Peach about falling in love with dance, about snakes, and about how to make all spaces more inclusive for trans and gender non-conforming people. I chose the name Panic for this episode because I live on Turf Island, aka the United Cringedom, where a small group of fanatical, obsessive, anti-trans losers keep creating this huge moral panic about trans people and toilets or whatever. But to be honest, we don't really talk about that a huge amount, so sorry if the title is misleading. What me and Ali do talk about a huge amount is our great love for our mutual friend, Iris Sparkles, who founded Queer Poll in London and is how I know like half the people I've interviewed on this show. And I will bully Iris into being a guest by any means necessary, like subliminal messaging in the episode intro, for example. Maybe! You know how in nature, every species alive now can be traced back to our last universal common ancestor, which was some kind of precocious slime? Iris Sparkles is the precocious slime of queer pole world. Sexy, floor-working, pole-dancing slime, as the Lord created on day 15 or whatever. Anyway, We Love You Iris is a big theme of the show. Also, how pole dancing has been part of Ali's discovery of her own gender and just how fun it is. I really loved this conversation and I hope you do too. If you enjoyed the pod, you can help us keep making it by supporting our Patreon on patreon.com shandoxy. And reminder, we're having a party to launch series two of the show at Signature Brew Haggerston in London on March the 12th. It is going to be a sweaty, hot, excellent fun mess. Hope to see you there. Hope you enjoy the show. And here's Ali. Hello, Ali. Welcome to Hi. the show. Hi. I'm so excited to speak to you. Thank you so yeah. much for making the time for this. How are you? So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. you? I'm really good. This chat is already giving me nostalgia for everything queer pole. And the kind of B plot of this series is an ongoing love letter to Iris Sparkles, because if yeah. it's this parasocial bullying <laughs> that it takes to get her to come on the show, it's what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to apologize. Yeah. As we're like creeping out of COVID-ish, 
How is it going for you? Have you been able to return to performing and pole classes? Yeah, actually, because of the way the UK has handled lockdown in the way that it hasn't really handled it very well. I got to return a little bit after the first lockdown and I got to do some classes and I actually got trained as a beginner instructor in that little slice where we were allowed to go outside. But then it locked down again and I went back to doing nothing because I couldn't set up my pole at home. Now things are opening up again. I am actually going back to classes, which is so great. It's so hard now, though, but I've lost all of my endurance. But I'm going back. I'm actually going to be teaching my first class in September, which is so exciting. That's so exciting. I'll be teaching at Spin City Newbury. I literally can't wait. I'm so scared, but I'm so excited. That's amazing to have caught in the tiny sliver a window of opportunity to do teacher training as well. Had you been planning yeah. that or did it come up out of nowhere? So it kind of came out of nowhere. Some of my friends got trained and I was like, you know what? I could do this as well. I've been putting this off for so long. I did one of the weekend courses where you go, you do two days of intensive training. And at the end of it, if you pass the exam, you get your qualification. I did that. And obviously it was all COVID safe. So we're all apart from each other, wore masks. But yeah, it was really, really tough, but it was fantastic. And I'm so excited to teach a class now. That's so cool. I'm so happy that this is happening because I feel like we haven't, I think, ever really taken a class no. class together, but I know you from the queer yeah. pole scene and that you've been doing amazing stuff for a while. So <laughs> yay, that's amazing that that step like finally yeah. happened. The lore, the mythos, the legend. <laughs> Let's reel it back. Let's start at the very beginning. How did you begin oh. pole dancing? Seven years ago, over seven years ago even, I was at university and my good friend, Iris Sparkles, uh, had just started uh, or had been pole dancing for a while. And I saw her performing and I saw her doing this thing. I knew existed, but I didn't really think about that much. But she was doing all these amazing things. I was like, wow, I'd really love to try it. And then after a lot of sort of pushing and bullying, my fear of her outweighed my fear of going to a class. So I went to a class in my final year of university. So I started in the final year of university and... Yeah, I just fell in love with it instantly. It was just so much fun. A beautiful, tyrannical beginning. Yes, yes. What was it that got you hooked? Was it tricks? Was it choreo? Was it floor work? Was there something specific? I've always loved dance. I didn't really feel like I, I was much of a dancer. This was long before I started questioning my gender. Being sort of socialized male, I didn't really feel like it was something that I was allowed to do. And as I was starting to explore queer communities, I realized that I would actually like to try these things. The tricks were like really, really impressive, but they're so daunting when you're starting out. It's like, that's amazing. I'll never do that because that just looks impossible. Every beginner feels that way. And I was no different. I am no different. I'm a, I don't know where I am, but now I'm just like, ah, no. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to learn how to dance like the, these people that I was watching. And I really wanted to be that sexy. I was not at the beginning. That was my dream. I just found it very sort of when I actually went to a class, I found it very rewarding when like, you know, you learn to climb for the first time or you learn to do like a pulse it. It was hard work, but then you got to see results. You were achieving something that before how on earth is this even possible and that's kind of where where I feel the magic pole is because I've never gelled with any 
physical activity before pole. I can't stand going to the gym and I've tried martial arts in the past, which are fine, but the parts I liked most about martial arts were learning the movements instead of actually fighting people because I don't <laughs> like getting hit. Yeah, that does kind of come with the territory, so, huh? <laughs> looking back, it was like, huh, I liked the dancey side of martial arts rather than the actual martial part of it, which makes a lot more sense now that I think about it. It was the dance. It was the dancing. I loved it. In the seven years that you've been doing it, have your interests and motivations changed over that time? Or is that still the consistent thing that you enjoy? It definitely has evolved. I feel like as I became more proficient in the early years, I was like, yeah, I want to try this move. I want to nail it. I want to be able to get into it nicely and get out of it and do this really complicated combo and do all of these fantastic tricks. There were definitely limitations on that, mostly around my flexibility, which I feel isn't very good compared to other dancers. But as I trained more and more, it became less about getting these Instagram trick shots and much more about sort of discovering my style of dancing. Because I feel like up until a certain point, I was just mimicking what I was seeing when I was shown flow. When I sort of set out to find my personal style of dancing I felt that became like a new sort of goal for me that's kind of still where I am I feel like my style is always sort of being worked on I haven't really refined it that much other than it's slow flow is uh, my my go-to it's wild how many things you can choose to work on. When I started, I think I was a bit of a lemming. I was like, oh, this is what my friends are doing. This is kind of what's keeping me here. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, I just had this goal that I wanted to get really strong. I'd, I'd never really been a like strength yeah. or tricks kind of interested person before. I just mm. wanted to do the bare minimum exercise I needed to do to do the stuff that I thought looked like cool. And yeah. weirdly now I'm similar to what you were describing. I'm interested in the really slow stuff and like gooey stage presence and attention to details and like how does an eyebrow lift come into this and make the move work working on those like tiny little bit i've been thinking a lot about serving face and body language while you're moving because like i don't want to critique anyone's performance because everyone performs differently but when you first perform a lot of advice you'll get is just it doesn't matter what you're you're doing just like smile and sort of like go through the motions and it can look very sort of rigid in that way whereas I feel like the best performances especially sexy and intimate is where you feel like oh god oh I'm seeing them at like oh dear should I be watching this <laughs> yeah but like you feel honored to be included and they're engaging you because they're not just looking at you they're actually sort of engaging with you with emoting at you and not to name name drop her again <laughs> but are we but gonna <laughs> one of my key key influences and on how to do this right is iris iris sparkles because she i mean she's just natural with all of this kind of stuff but she she can literally stun a room to silence with her performances um which uh, yeah i I, I've seen her perform so many times now and every time it's just a treat. That's such a good way of putting it, that sense of have I stumbled onto something that I'm not supposed to be watching? It's kind of like when 
I feel a bit outraged sometimes if a book I like suddenly gets really popular. I just feel really cheated that other people know about it because I had the belief that it was written just for yeah, me. Yeah, that sort of idea that this is so intimate, maybe I'm not allowed to see it, but I am allowed to see it because I've been invited here. I'm watching this and yeah, makes the audience member feel special and included in the performance. Rhiannon White, the gorgeous gorgeous performer some of her workshops deal specifically with the stage performance mentality and i think from a line that she says you need to dance like you're having sex think of it that way that this is not sort of boring sex like i'm talking like proper pornographic sex and make people believe that that is what is happening that's how you get those really sort of powerful really sexy emotions come out in a performance I saw Rhiannon White in an online showcase and everyone who was in the Zoom room after it just went, I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't do it. That's why. <laughs> I can't even put into words watching Rhiannon. You might hear it a lot. Oh, this person's a goddess. I actually think she might be just like low-key a goddess and she's just slumming it with the rest of us. Like it, It's breathtaking to see her perform. I highly recommend Rhiannon White. If she's on the list, buy a ticket and find a yeah. way to go there yeah I agree um, if I can feel what I felt on zoom then in the meat space oh my god I'm not recovering from this <laughs> not to go on too much of a tangent but just to highlight just how much of a performer she is the most iconic performance I've seen her do was at Scarlet Show at Jamie Taylor's home studio in Wales. Rhiannon White came in wearing nude pasties. A, I want to say she wasn't wearing underwear. She was covered with, like I want to say, like nude colored tape. So she was practically naked wearing nothing but this gorgeous gold white python just draped around her neck and what? she just she wasn't on stage she just walked through the audience everyone just was slack jawed stunned by her entrance and then she did an entire routine on the stage where she just blew us all away she only had the snake on for her entrance she gave it off to someone else past the snake <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But that is just the level of jaw-dropping awe that she inspires. Wow. Can I ask a practical question? What happened to the snake? That was also like a, a little sort of highlight of the show is that the, the snake's handler was also there. So like she handed it oh, off okay. to stagehands and the stagehands took it to the handler. And then you got to go pet the snake after the show. <laughs> oh, great. The snake will be opening for me and closing for me. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. You mentioned that when you first took a class in your final year of uni, due to the well-intentional bullying of our dear mutual friend, you were still questioning gender at that point. So I wanted to ask, how has pole affected parts of your life with gender, but also has it affected body confidence, mental health, all of the other things? Pole dancing really was one of the key pillars that unlocked my gender identity for me. As you know, it's a very sort of feminine expression in, in like stripper style dancing. It was created by women. So flow tends to be a lot more feminine. And that's the part of pole that I fell in love with. So while there were male pole dancers who I looked up to and loved, the pole dancing that I loved most was feminine. So when I was doing it, I realized that I was more happy. I felt more secure in my own self being 
feminine and like I got my first pair of pleasers which were my first pair of heels so I went from wearing no heels to a pair of I think sevens not to 60 yeah exactly and I just loved them I felt more like myself in those spaces there were some like other sort of like queer events that I went to that made me question my gender but pole dancing gave me a space outside of the queer community because there's pole places I was practicing in were heteronormative where I could be safe being genderqueer or like gender bendy around sort of cis people and it, after a while of you know wearing heels learning to do makeup wearing the slinkiest like the smallest shorts and sort of like tops and stuff you just take a step back and think I'm oh, not cis there's nothing cis about this I eventually just came to the conclusion that yeah I I am happier when I'm feminine when I'm expressing my agenda as a feminine person and I explored my gender through you know identifying as non-binary for a, a large chunk of time gender's fluid so like my my gender fluctuates somewhat in the sort of like feminine realms between being a trans femme gender queer non-binary I like the the term trans feminine uh non-binary woman because I know that if a cis person or especially the radicals I won't say the word let's keep it light and breezy but I know it will piss them off if they ever heard it because like what does that even mean and like the point is I don't know and I don't care I'm just being me and that's really the crutch is pole dancing helped me find myself yeah and it, it also did like it hugely developed my body confidence like being able to like learn to do the flow and sexy and seeing people of all shapes and sizes doing this dance and being stunning it gave me confidence it's so interesting that you mentioned that pole was something outside of queer spaces that gave you that space to explore because i think you mentioned the studios you were going to were quite mainstream and cis heteronormative where um things that in a queer pole space you wouldn't do right like calling people ladies and using the very sort of stripper rooted gendered terms for the things people are doing you actually found that really useful yes and no when you think that you're a man and you're in a class and the teacher goes hello ladies and then either they forget Mm. that you're there which is kind of erasing (laughs) or they go and you or and gentlemen and Mm. you're just sort of like great I'm the other and it just it feels pretty rubbish like you already feel like you stand out at that point because well I did when I would move and go to a different studio I felt like I had to make sure that I was allowed mm. to be in these studios, in these spaces, because I wasn't sure. Like, because it's it was a very, very cis female space. And like, while I didn't know that I was a woman at that point in my life, I didn't look like them. So I needed to make sure that I would be welcome there. I know now that it's pretty horrible, but some studios don't let men tend beginner classes. And I understand the reasoning because they have very sort of self-conscious 
women who are trying to ease into exercise that has a lot of skin on display and can be very sort of intimate. But yeah, trying to find a place in those spaces was very difficult. It's so much better now, but uh, back then you had to be, have a little bit of a thick skin because you were called a lady a lot. The amount of times I've been told to put my breasts on the floor or instructors having no concept of my anatomy and how it relates to a pole move. I've had to figure that stuff out myself, which can be painful. I'll just put it that way. I didn't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable by my presence. So I, I always had to like message the studio and be like, can I come? Is there like a class I can join? Do you think now the pole industry is doing enough to welcome trans and non-binary dancers? Yes and no. <laughs> but really my answer is no. The pole industry has been trying over the past year. And only really that I've seen over the past year has the mainstream pole community been actively trying to include minorities, be it people of color or the LGBTQ plus community. I've, I've been approached by uh, studio owners on how to better incorporate or how to be inclusive um, to trans people because they are just now thinking about these kinds of things. The reason I say no is the amount of times I talk to a queer person who hasn't tried poll and they see that I do poll and they're like, I've always wanted to do that, but I, you know, I don't do like I go to a studio or like they're scared or just that anxiety that comes with being being queer in a straight place or in a cis place. So clearly there's work to do till queer people feel like they can just try and the only thing holding them back is their own timetable that is there is still something that can be done that's so opinion. helpful and so clear inside and outside of pole spaces to really simple things that people can do or learn to do I don't want to dwell on it too much because I don't want to court the possibility of bringing in the acronym that begins with T and rhymes with bleh into this like <laughs> lovely conversation. In your opinion, as someone who consults on diversity and who's done fundraising for amazing trans and non-binary charities, what are the actually useful ways that cis allies can support trans people in the UK at the moment? When people like have me in for these webinars to talk about, you know, trans issues is I as a trans person struggle like especially when I was identifying as non-binary and I didn't I wasn't as out as I am now felt it was almost impossible to give my pronouns when I was talking to cis people because it's just not done really what needs to happen is more and more cis people need to be like hello my name is blah my pronouns are blah just part of you know introductory conversation as you know like if you are a good cis ally on your online profiles you have your pronouns in your bio and your name instagram has a pronouns field now i discovered the other day i didn't know that that existed until the other day i don't like instagram for a lot of reasons but that is a positive thing that they have done um so like fill it in it doesn't matter if you're cis. If you have pronouns in your bio, you are helping signal that you are an, an ally for trans people. If you start doing it, other people will do it. That is just monkey see, monkey do. That is how we have got this far as a species. And 
another thing is non-gendered language. So, hey guys, is for me it's fine. I don't particularly like it, but you know I know that a lot of people don't mean it to be gendered, but some people they don't like it. They, it hurts them um, to be gendered like that. So don't do it. And hey, ladies, for all of you pole instructors out there, don't do it. It's just like you don't need to do that. You can say there's so many different ways you can greet your class. And like you just don't know, like you might think, oh, everyone in my class is cis or everyone in my class is, is a woman. Do you, do you know that for a certain fact? Don't use gendered language. Don't use gendered anatomy when you're talking to different groups of people. Everyone has a chest. Not everyone has tits. And even the people that might have breasts don't want people referring to their breasts. And that is, I would feel like, fairly decent etiquette in day-to-day -day life. I've consulted studios to add pronouns to their sign-up sheets to, so that when an instructor has new students, they then know what pronouns to use. If you're introducing yourself to your class, you can, you can give your pronouns. You know, hi, I'm blah. These are my pronouns. The exit's over there. Let's do the warm-up. It's not going to take up too much time. It really is that easy to be a an ally. That's so helpful and so clear inside and outside of pole spaces to really simple things that people can do or learn to do. You have recently been really active as a fundraiser for Mermaids, who are a UK charity supporting trans and non-binary kids, young people and their families. Can you tell me what led to you doing this 12-hour marathon stream? I started streaming and I was having a great time. And I had been looking at Twitch for a while and being like, I want to try that. I want to be a streamer. And it's COVID, so I can't really have a party. I would like to, to the other game. So I mentioned it to, to the other Chaos Factories and they were like, this sounds amazing. And just started churning out all of these graphics. Turned my silly little idea of, I'm going to do a charity stream on my birthday into this professional looking charity event. And I was like, you know what? If we're going to go for this, let's go for it. And I was like, I'm going to do 12 hours because let's make an, a big event of it. And we'll get a bunch of other streamers in. I'll play with them and promote their streams. We'll just have a great time throughout the day and see how much money we can raise. Who knows? Maybe we'll make like a hundred pounds or something. I wasn't expecting a huge turnout. Like uh, my dream is very small. So we promoted it for like a couple of weeks with Gwen's amazing graphics. And then Stream day came and I chose the charity of my choice, which was Mermaids like here in the UK, supporting trans kids who are so under so many different reasons. But yeah, Mermaids are a fantastic charity. So they, they, it was a no brainer for me. And yeah, we, the stream day came and we I was online for 12 straight hours from 12 p.m. till 12 a.m. I was online Good. playing games with so many people. It was the most fun I've ever had, streaming and also gaming. It might even be a highlight of my entire life, especially because people were so generous. We raised over a thousand pounds, I think, in the end. I kept on having to change the goal. People just kept on shattering it. It just like, I was thinking a hundred pounds will be about fine. That's a good amount of money. You know, I don't want people to give where they don't have the money. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. And then you're like, 
nope, shattered that goal and then just kept on rolling over all of the goals that I set. That's a thing on Twitch as well, right? Where you really, like, you can put a bar up as a graphic yeah, and then you yeah. just have to keep, and like, they just, moving they just it around. just kept on yeah. <laughs> smashing it. It came to, like, 12 a.m. and I was tired and delirious and stunned. I was, like, on the verge of tears and just being like, love all of you because I just couldn't believe how generous everyone was being. Moral of the story is get a friend who can Photoshop, yes. right? Yes, get a friend that can Photoshop. They do wonders. What an incredible story. That's so good. I know. <laughs> a couple of quick fire questions. Favorite poll move? Favorite poll move. So I think I'm going to have to go with Superman because I can still yeah. do it. Um, it was one of my first sort of nemesis moves. I like, really wanted to figure it out and do it. And after I shredded my thigh skin enough, I, I did actually manage to do it. And because I'm long, I feel like it looks quite nice <laughs> uh, when, I'm, when I'm doing Superman. Another move though, that I've always loved is Allegra. I used to be able to do it mm. before lockdown, uh, but my back flexibility has tightened up a little bit. Can we try and give people a sense of what Allegra looks like? It's a weird one on it the is, podcast. It's a weird so one. So basically... With one leg twisted around the pole, you then lean out so your torso is facing away from the pole and your back is like curved. So because your leg is around the pole and your back is against the pole, there is a lot of back flexibility that you need to be able to get do this move properly. You can then sort of, if you are doing it properly, you can reach one arm back and grab your free foot on the other side of the pole and take your leg off the pole because you will be sandwiched in there if you have the positioning right do not attempt this move without an instructor telling you how to do it properly this is not tutorial <laughs> do it with mats do it with an instructor who knows how to do it and is uh, willing to teach you it is a uh, one of those moves that i feel like is quite advanced and i managed to achieve it so it's always ha got this place in my heart I, like yeah that proves i'm actually a decent polar I once did an Allegra. I feel that way about Aisha Elbow Grip. I'm like, no, I can do pole. I, I did that. It took a long time. I'm impressed. Aisha Elbow Grip is not, not nothing. It is scary. It's terrifying. <laughs> favorite song or artist to dance to? So favorite artist, I would say it's Halsey um, to dance to because she just keeps churning out really powerful really sort of fun songs to dance to and they just make me feel like a, a real badass when i'm um strutting around the pole weirdest pole experience so far any catastrophes embarrassing moments strange occurrences there is a, a move called crab um for those you don't know you kind of you're in a um like an iguana mount kind of position your legs kind of drape back behind the pole but I have quite long legs um, and long legs are heavy, especially when they start getting away from you. So when I first learned to do this move, my at the time pole instructor was spotting me and they were spotting me by my hips in front of me. And as my legs went back, my point of balance shifted and my legs went down, my face went up and I went straight between her legs. And it was horrifying. Like I was so embarrassed. So if you're spotting crab, Maybe stand to the side and hold the hips. Oh, God, that's an excruciating yep, visual. Yep. No, like, that, that's, uh, that's an experience that will go to me, with, to my grave. When, I, when I'm uh, you know, at my most confident, I will lie awake at night thinking of that <laughs> and how just embarrassed I was at that moment. 
that's a perfect note to end on. Ali, it has been so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the Thank show. You so much for having me. Where can people find you online? And is there anything else that you'd like to promote or amplify? Yeah, I am Paul Piglet on Instagram. So please come over and follow me. I post occasionally pole dancing stuff and sometimes some just random things that come up, come to me. Um, I am also, as we spoke before, I am my username on Twitch is Cracking Cuddles. Yay! You heard Ali. Find her on Instagram. Find her on Twitch and take a class with her so we can build a queer pole army that is ever expanding. <laughs> Hold the Other One was created by me, Shandoxy. This episode was edit produced by Magenta Bridges with original music by Amelia Baylor. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to help us keep making it, you can support us on Patreon on patreon.com slash Shandoxy. Thank you. We love and appreciate all of you keeping the sexy stick party moving. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Uh, enjoy your lives. Keep an eye out for news about series two and see you next time. Pop, pop.